This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey guys, welcome to another dispatch from the Venice Film Festival. I'm so pleased that I had the chance to chat with actor Jared Harris and director Adrian Sibley yesterday on the day of their big premiere here at the fest of their documentary, The Ghost of Richard Harris. Jared, who we of course know as an acclaimed actor himself from Chernobyl, The Terror, Mad Men, Lincoln, you name it. He and his brothers, Damien and Jamie, are sharing this momentous event together here. They star in the documentary about their father, among many other colleagues and friends like Russell Crowe, Jim Sheridan, Vanessa Gredgrave, and more. This isn't a biopicy kind of doc. It's more of a fascinating study into understanding the man Richard Harris, if, if that's the right word, the huge presence that he was, for good and bad, as their father, as well as such a huge presence for so many others around him. Richard Harris, such a celebrated career on stage and screen, from Lindsay Anderson's This Sporting Life to Camelot, Gladiator, and finding his way to a whole new generation as Albus Dumbledore in the Harry Potter films. He had a reputation that he certainly liked to share, both in the press and to others. He was a rebel rouser, a rule breaker, and by no means a traditional father, as you'll hear here in our talk, unless you call pulling up to your son's game at school in a Rolls Royce and a fur coat traditional. Anyway, here's my chat with Adrian Sibley and Jared Harris on location at the Venice Film Festival. Mr. Sibley, Mr. Jared Harris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I know that you were approached by a lot of documentarians and producers through the years for this film. Why Mr. Sibley? Well, actually, this started between my elder brother and Adrian. And, um, and Adrian had made uh, a lot of really good documentaries. And, and Adrian said he wanted to do one on dad. And then so my elder brother introduced Adrian to my dad at a dinner. I'll let you take over. Yeah, so I met him at the Savoy where he used to live, and we he was kind of interviewing me, uh, but at the same time checking me out, and it, it was really interesting. I mean, it was a fascinating interview. It was the, he was the type of man that could hold an audience in the palm of his hands with his stories. I can believe it. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, what he was doing is he was checking out whether he wanted to work with me, and in fact, whatever reason, I passed the test, but unfortunately, he passed away, and then that's when Jared got involved so I'm gonna hand the mic back to him yes. yeah what happened with, so that, that the movie didn't happen and 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 over Adrian and I would chat over the sort of intervening years and saying what a shame it was that it didn't happen and then nothing had really been done on him there was no biography written of him or anything like that and there was sort of the standard film biographies done by like the movie channel which is just a sort of trot through a career thing and um, I just we just neither of us let it go did we and and uh, we just felt like that something sh needed to be done and and that, that fire was inside of Adrian from the beginning too, he was too interesting to be consigned to the history of cinema in the way that he had been the format it's not a biography of his career um, what really shook me when my mother passed away is that I discovered her through so many other relationships that I didn't know of and I think you've done that 
that? Was that something you came in with intent? It's a really good point because although Richard's career was fascinating, it was a lot of different things happened. And, and Richard was somebody that responded in the moment, and as far as I could see, and believed in what he did. And when he didn't believe in something, he would do something else. He would just move on. <laughs> Whereas what we wanted, what I felt was very potent about him is how much of an impact he'd had on the people that he'd been involved with. And actually, the, the reason why it was interesting to have the boys involved, his boys, brothers, and Jared being a great actor himself now, that they'd had to live. You know, Brancusi said uh, a, a great thing. Uh, and he used to study t with Rodan, if I can be a little bit pretentious, if that's okay. He, it's a scu you they're sculptors. It. Thank you. They're sculptors. And Brancusi said, nothing grows under great trees. So a, a, an acorn will not grow under a great tree. And he had to move away from Rodan in order to become Brancusi. And I think, say, Jared is a great example of that, is that in some ways he moved away from what his father did to become the actor he was. But the impact of Richard gave on people... His, his children but also other people gave me the opportunity to explore the fundamental truth of parents and, and how it is in your relationship with that parent but also how if you lose that parent they are still with you not necessarily just inside you but in places and and that's what was so potent and Richard Richard's life force was so strong we were able to do that so I'm really glad you say that I want to ask you Jared so you've worked with Stellan Skarsgård yeah one of the things that I remember him saying and he's a father of many as you know sure is that his biggest advice is don't lie and your father was of course he had a full <laughs> life he was a rebel rouser I was wondering did he always tell you the truth um, as kids like all good Irishmen, every story starts from a kernel of truth. And as you tell that story and retell it, you sort of find the, the, the best form of that story, which isn't necessarily... Um, grounded to the truth of what originally happened i mean one of the things that i happened after he died was i would run into friends and i would hear stories that he had told and discover that most of them were true but you know or most of a story he told me was true but normally the punchline was changed and something like that i mean that was the famous story that one of the, his famous stories that he told was about disappearing for weeks on end and, and being told that my mother was going to divorce him and he comes back to the house knocks on the door and she comes down and she said and he looks at her and says why didn't you pay the ransom right <laughs> which is a great punchline now actually what happened with that was it was all true except for the punchline the punchline was danny jansen's who was the um what's the show the Fugitive. Yes. And he had become friends with Danny Jansen. And his wife told my father that story. And where, because he would disappear. And one of the times he came back and he said, Why didn't you pay the ransom? And my father went, That's a great punchline. I'm stealing it. <laughs> so, but I mean, so the, a lot of those stories are, there's sort of a, there's a, uh, there's a grain of truth with them. But, you know, if he found a good punchline, he would pinch it. But did you feel as a kid that he would? come back that he when he left for those periods of time or you were at boarding school did you have trust in in, in him in that I, sense? I don't remember him being at home when I was young mm -hmm. um, my elder brother does um, I I and then at the time that my memories start to become clear we were off at boarding school so uh, and that's really where my 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 images of him are, are, are clearer, him visiting us at school. I mean, Damien was telling us a story the other day that he, re he remembers, he was the captain of the first 11 football team 
and um, this Rolls Royce arrives on, drives up onto the school grounds, up to the pitch, and then my father gets out with this whoever his latest girlfriend was in f big fur coats with a jug of pims and they watch the football match and they all cheer for him you know come on d come on d and then um get back into the car when the match is over and took off <laughs> they didn't say hello to him or anything. was he proud of the fact that his father came or was he disappointed that he didn't stay i remember always well he never knew when he was going to show up um because again there were days there was a specific there were two weekends a term when the parents were allowed to come visit their children and take them out those are the two weekends you knew you would never see dad mm. and he would show up when he wanted to and you'd so, you'd be in the middle of a class and suddenly you'd see him walking down the corridor or someone would go harris harris your father's here and he'd wave at you and then be taken on a tour of the school basically find something that needs to be fixed at the school bribe the headmaster and say i'll take care of that and he goes now give you my children <laughs> I wanted to say something about Richard and lies because I think that's a, it's, it's actually uh, looks like something that's just funny but actually it's very pertinent to who he was and if you notice um, I, I found an amazing thing Jared opened his the estates uh, archive to me and it was it was in a lockup in, in in a place in Oxford and it was kind of hard to get hold of so I had loads of tapes and bits and pieces and I found one of these reels and I thought this is really interesting I wonder what this is and it was the promo for his tour of America in the early 70s when he had moved into this review kind of show where he sang and did poetry and Richard voices it and just makes it up for the director whoever's doing it and it starts with my name is Richard Harris I'm coming to your town tonight and I'm gonna tell you some lies <laughs> and then he goes no my name is Richard Harris I'm coming into town and I'm gonna lie to you all night and then he goes no my name is Richard Harris and he keeps doing this and if you notice in the documentary you'll hear him going I'm Richard and I nearly I was thinking that the best poster would be for Venice if we did one was my name is Richard Harris and I'm gonna tell you some lies and so that was the significance and he knew what he was doing and it was not that he didn't want to tell the truth it was much more fun to say something that wasn't truthful that so in terms of, of the lying and in terms of the fact that he seemed to enjoy or want to have the public persona of you know telling funny stories about his escapades and drinking things do you think he was protecting something with that that there was certain things that like if I do this they won't I can keep my inner life and my kids and to myself well well that's a that's a good question my I haven't thought of that before but the immediate thing that comes to my mind is is that um, he I think in some on a, a very conscious level he was aware that he'd constructed his personality you know um, and I, I was aware of that. I'd watch him when we would go home to Ireland later in his life and he'd be around his, his brothers and stuff. And he was muted. And um, there the, the, the was a version of himself that he was, that was true amongst his family. But there was a truer version of himself that he enjoyed more when he was away from his family and he was out in the public in front of people who didn't know him and then he could be that version of himself that entertained him most you know um so i don't know if it was necessarily a lie or not but um but he never he, i think part of the thing about openly saying that he was going to lie to you was he wanted to make it difficult for you to figure out who he was because he he did not want you 
to figure out who he was. And whenever we would, when we were older, and you'd be having conversations, and uh, or you'd be getting into sort of a conflict, when you started to sort of hone in on something about him, which you do when you're in an argument with somebody, he would he would say you. Don't psychoanalyze me. You're not smart enough to do it. And he would he would turn in a, a, an opposite direction. So you he'd frustrate you. So I mean that was a really interesting thing about making the film because I would have loved to have made the film with Richard and it would have been a very different film. But and I think we would have been great collaborators collaborators, especially at that time when I was a little bit more bullish and he was the bull. So we could have had a really good time with it. But it would have there would have been blood on the floor, I think. And I think one of the interesting things about this journey and making this film is I wanted to be give him the voice to explain as much as I felt that he could do. And actually there were lots of things that I didn't go down the path with because I felt that the interesting thing about Richard was he wasn't a person that would say, I know who I am and I'm going to tell you. Always evolving. Uh, and he evolved. And I think that's one of the reasons why that he didn't want to be psychoanalyzed because he was a different person at different stages of his life. Very human. Again, I thought that's why I liked him. You know, it's interesting because one of the things that, uh, an extent, and, and it's, it surprises me, and I don't know how he did it, is that Joe Jackson got Dad to reveal he part. Did a he, long interview. Yeah, we used a lot of Joe's interviews to, as the heart because what Joe Jackson did, which was great, is he was the, uh, a journalist that got involved with Richard and Richard was unhappy with the other biographies that were out about him and he decided that he would go on a path to, to uh, tell this guy his story now it never actually happened but they did do three interviews and we, Jared told me about them and then we managed to get them from Joe to listen to and I used those and they actually provided the heart of the film in many ways Is, uh, when you say that there would have been blood on the floor what immediately sprang to my mind about that was in the very first uh, interview that Joe tried to do with Dad, he, they actually almost got into a fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Because <laughs> Joe, Joe took a rather sort of, a, well, he says a rather a deliberately pretentious tone with him, which immediately got my father's back up. And it, sort of, it started from this sort of very heated conflict. And then somehow through there, he managed to... Uh, get through that gate if Classic you like. How was that rage side of him for you as kids? We hear a lot about how it was for actors and for collaborators, but what about for you? I mean, uh, you know, he, you were always aware that there was this, that he had a temper, but I mean, mostly, I, he, he, he indulged us as children in the sense that he liked, he encouraged us to when we were kids, they encouraged us to be kids, you know. He would lose his temper with us as people, as parents do lose temper with them. All the um, time. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I mean, I, I never saw him wreck a room or anything like that. Um, but, I mean, his, he, you know, when he lost his temper, it was a scary thing, as it is when your parent loses your te their temper with you. And, and in, in his stories that he would tell, there was always that sort of, element of violence that was there you know um but i never he never raised his hand to any of us do you have an idea where that element of violence came from we talked about this didn't we i and have theories that, that it's his irishness it, it i i have a theory it's his irishness in a way i felt that he felt he was an athlete he was at, I, I was enjoying my jared was just holding the mic to me there i nearly i nearly broke out into macarthur park or didn't we 
there was something significant about his um his, uh, that he was an athlete and he was this center of attention as a young man and i think that then he f- went through this situation of having tb so he, a little bit like the pandemic he spent two years by himself and i think that when he came out he he used the expression that he was the jockey on a wild horse that he couldn't control and by the time Joe interviewed him, he, it was slowing down. And Harry Potter, he was suddenly this cute old guy. The good grandfather, apparently. Yeah, but he, he didn't... He got on this because he had this lust for life was three of us combined. And I think within that, anger is part of it. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of things. But it was a, a unique, essential part of his personality. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures. Love affairs and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. I want to ask you about your shared profession. Have you analyzed his process and is there anything that you use? Well, I mean, you know, again, this would be surprising to say, but he cared passionately about what he did his work and he was always prepared why is that surprising because people think that he was i mean you know i mean that the, because the public image is that he was a sort of laissez-faire devil maker you know hell raising boozy um person who, 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 who took who took his talent for granted um he cared passionately about what he did when he showed up he was always prepared um so yeah i i i just learned that lesson i do i i did a stage version uh, I did Hamlet on stage and he played the ghost but we filmed him so I for a whole month eight times a week I I watched him and every time that I was watching him on stage interacting with the screen version of him I noticed something different you know and it was a very 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 layered performance so well, that, fortunately, that's my time. Thank you so much. For yeah, thank movie. you. Thank you so much. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on CandairPodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.